I'm CJ. And this is Harry Potter Movie Minutes. The podcast where two friends break down the movies of the wizarding world in excruciating detail and obnoxious commentary. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Okay, now we are recording. We are recording. Let's get into it. Yeah, we've got an episode to talk about here. Shit happens. Shit is going down at the Huggy Huggy Hogwarts. <laughs> and I feel like we've talked about this before, but this one this one too has already like hit the ground running. Like we're, yeah, we're in, I we're mean, going, we're off. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop doing the page count per episode because it gets it's last week it already got confusing where it was like, uh well, it's technically this, but that's because they skipped this and then they brought it back later. So we'll just, you know, tie that up in a knot and say that yeah we're flying through this yeah (laughs) sometimes hundreds of pages an episode (laughs) right all right should we jump in so this episode opens in the great hall with the goblet of fire casting a blue light everywhere while the students are milling about and chatting there's like a kid lounging on the table the room is positively buzzing with excitement and anticipation i haven't had a rocky (laughs) horror reference in a minute so i really felt like i needed to do that justice anyway so uh dumby calls for everybody to sit and the students arrange themselves at the tables um the goblet is kind of set up in the middle of the room so there are the the four tables are kind of maybe shorter maybe just like pushed back a little bit closer to the door that leads into the entrance hall but yeah. then there are also tables on the other side uh between the goblet and the house uh, excuse me the like uh, teachers the faculty tables Right, and then there's like kind of stadium seating. Yeah, we've got this little stadium seating that's arranged for the occasion. I feel like that has just entered this movie. Yeah, I at first was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, you know what? They talk about rearranging the Great Hall all the time mm. with Dumby like zooming the tables to the, like I'm I'm think I'm specifically thinking of um, Prisoner of Azkaban when they all have to sleep in the Great Hall. And he makes um, the sleeping bags appear. Yeah. So and then they like, rearrange mm. it for the Yule ball. Yeah, you're right. I guess they can. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. It's a multi-purpose great hall because <laughs> we all have one of those, you know? Well, yeah, they probably didn't have like an auditorium slash gymnasium. They didn't have gym class. No. So why would they? No, because Madam Hooch teaches one class to one <laughs> year every year. Uh, just to the first years, and then, you know, you're kind of on your own. You never really have to fly a broomstick again if you don't want to. Uh, So Dumbledore (laughs) gives a very brief intro for the champion selection, and he reaches a very shaky hand toward the goblet. He caresses the goblet for a moment and then steps away. I wonder what that was. I'm like, I wonder if that's him, like, signaling to start the ceremony. That's what I took it as. I hope. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not mad at it. It was a very strange caress. Like, shaky shaky rubby rubby here we go um (laughs) moments later the flames turn red and they sputter out a piece of paper that dumby catches quite prolifically i might add he Mm -hmm. could have been a seeker Uh, and without a great deal of fanfare dumbledore announces that the durmstrang champion is victor crumb no one is surprised (laughs) no but the the one thing that surprised me here when they went kind of back to all the people clapping crumb on the back and stuff i'm like a lot of those durmstrang students are not teenagers <laughs> like, oh no, no, no when we got no, a little no. closer Extras to them are like, not teenagers oh oh my <laughs> yeah the the uh, 12 durmstrang students cheer 
Victor steps forward to shake Dumbledore's hand, and Dumbledore directs him off to the side. We don't really see where he's directing them. You, you know, people who've read the books know that it's a side chamber off of the Great Hall, but um, it, Dumbledore just kind of gestures. He might be up at the front of the room. He might be thrown off a cliff. Nobody knows. Almost immediately, the goblet glows red again, and it spits out another slip of paper. And this one has some very fancy folds in it. It gave me very, like, junior high note-passing vibes. I dig it. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Dumbledore announces that the Bobaton champion is Fleur Delacour. The crowd cheers again. Fleur steps forward, shaky-shaky, and off in the same direction as Victor. This time, we don't even get red flames. We just see Dumby's hand snatch another slip of paper out of the air. The same process is repeated with Cedric, with a marginally larger pomp and circumstance, being that he's from the home school, the hosting school. Mm -hmm. And uh, like you said, uh, Dumby slaps him on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah, he like claps him on the shoulder so hard. I was like, damn, Dumby is violent. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's... An old man, but he doesn't take any shit. <laughs> Dumbledore launches into a very pep rally type speech uh, about the Triwizard Cup, and it's revealed with a really cool, like, pull away. And an I arm movement it. when he, like, flings his arm around and points. Oh, yeah. And it's not even, a, I mean, we know that Dumbledore doesn't need his wand to do magic. Mm -hmm. And this is another example of it. It's just like, yeah. revealed, glowing, gorgeous. I cannot tell you how many times I have almost purchased a replica of the Triwizard Cup. Are you serious? I have a problem with like yeah. wanting movie props, mm -hmm. uh, particularly Harry Potter movie pro uh, props. They've done and a good job. I mean, look at we've talked about all the merchandising objects that they have created out of the series, and it's yeah, it's. A, I mean, of course they built an empire out of it. Why wouldn't they? It's a billion dollar industry all on its own. Yeah. And impulse buys at the Harry Potter store are a real problem. I've already had to make two different returns. But oh, no. I just like went and visited and was like, I want this. And then I get home and I'm like, why did I spend <laughs> money on this? You're literally under their spell when you're there. Uh, everyone is such excited and everything mm -hmm. is going to plan. When you see the professor's faces suddenly begin to change, Snape kind of takes a step forward like, wait a second. And the room goes very, very quiet as our attention is turned back to the Goblet of Fire, which has begun to spark and sputter even more aggressively than it did when it shot out the first three names. Mm. And then it glows red again before launching one more piece of paper into the air. Dumby once again catches it and examines it before mumbling Harry's name to himself. He then calls out for Harry and we get a lot of whispers and a good old oh. Nope, nope, mm -mm, nope, from Hagrid. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, by the way, girl, where have you been? I think this is the first we see Hagrid, and we're, like, half an hour into the movie. Agreed, yeah. Harry sits down and, like, tries to shrink in his seat, but Dumbledore then literally screams his name, and Hermione pushes him to step forward. As she is doing so, this is something, you know, we always talk about. The, the reason that we are rewatching these is to notice things that you haven't noticed before. Um... As she's pushing him forward, we actually do see Ron behind him scratching his head and looking kind of confused. And Neville is sitting there just looking concerned as fuck. But Ron just has this very, like, what? And again, like, playing with his long sheepdog hair. Yeah. He looks angry, too, at some point, doesn't he? Well, that's what I was just going to say. 
his mood suddenly turns on a dime and he's immediately like angry and resentful. I'm not sure if it was an acting choice of him processing through like, what, what the fuck? And then realizing, wait a minute, seriously, like you entered and you didn't tell me. Okay. So I don't, I don't know if it was good old Rupert, like making a really strong acting choice there, or if it was just the way the scene is cut, because we do immediately cut and he's got this like, er, look yeah. on his face. Yeah. We get a nice like push in close up on him as he leers at Harry walking away. And I don't think I've ever noticed before that his, we get actually a little bit of a lip quiver. Like really? almost feeling betrayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his lip pouts out a little bit Aww. a couple of times. It's like, oh, and he's hurt. So it's a Go lot Rupert. of emotions. Damn. Like we're working there. Like okay. 10 seconds and not even 10 seconds. And we've gone through a whole whirlwind of emotions. <laughs> and speaking of emotions, Dumbledore is mad at this point. Like very mad, like disappointed parent. Like the way he holds out the slip really aggressively it's very, I cannot believe you did this, you little asshole. Yes. And just the dead silence that Harry's walking through is awful. Like, it's mortifying. Like, I felt for him this time because I'm like, this is awful. Like, you're either getting taunted by other students, like that you're a cheat, or everybody's just staring at you in, like, disbelief slash disgust slash, you know, like, all these emotions. Like, I mean, I think I'd just be sitting there like, what the fuck? Like, I would never have entered to begin with. Like, <laughs> nah, girl. And there's a really devious, like, deep, dark part of me that's like, oh, this should be fun. But no, I'd I walk digress. Out. I'd walk out. <laughs> I'd be like, no, thank you. Harry Potter? No, not me. Different one. This guy's somebody else. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you say Potter? Potter more? Potter son? Nope, no, that's not, not me. I. Sorry. Sorry. What can you talk about? So this, yeah, this you're going to have to pull up on your email because I couldn't put it in the chat. But can you go pull up your email? I want to know. There's a dude. There's a dude that Harry walks past as he's walking out. That like is he holding something. And everybody's like mortified, staring at Harry, right? And then there's this odd ass adult man. I think he's a professor, maybe, but he's like holding something and looking down at it, like lovingly. Yeah, I mean, he did. He's definitely standing among the faculty. Yeah, he's right next to Madame Maxine. And you definitely can't tell what the hell is in his arms nope. but yeah he's he's not looking at harry at all it's bizarre i just captioned it who dis who you who that hard to say mm -hmm. so weird dumbledore hands harry the still smoking piece of paper and harry starts in the direction the other champions exited like you said this walk between the tables with everyone just glaring at him and then we get these very like mean girls heckling remarks like she doesn't even go here <laughs> calling him a cheat and and he's not even of age I, I have to say mcgonagall is the only one that responds appropriately here thank like, you she, i wrote that too I'm like at least she, minerva gives a shit yeah she puts her hand on his shoulder like oh my god yeah oh my god yeah while snape is over there looking very like of course you did this <laughs> son of a bitch yeah and everyone else is just stunned Harry descends into a trophy room, I guess. That's what I wrote too. The next line I wrote is trophy room where Ron burped up slugs, question mark. Yeah, hard to say. And the trophies are like sputtering and sparking. I used the word sputtering like four times already today. Cool. <laughs> I have a vocabulary. 
the the trophies some of them are like rotating and levitating and and i guess Sparkles it makes sense and... that you know yeah that that makes sense in the wizarding world you know but... what it felt like to me is like they were trying to combine the trophy room and um descriptions of dumbledore's office yeah i agree the, with you 100%. where they said dumbledore has these little fidgets and whatever that kind of fidgets gadgets i think i meant to say <laughs> but gadgets are yeah. kind of like moving around and stuff that's what it felt like yeah. it felt like such felt like an odd room but i was still kind of like mm, here for it it's pretty yeah, I. it's one of those situations, I know I've said this before, there's a lot to look at, but nothing to see. Yes. They're filling the room with things that are interesting and cool, but not anything that's actually really going to pull your attention all that much. Yeah, very true. That's a good way to put it. We hear the three school heads bickering as they follow Harry down the stairs. This was another very hilarious moment to have the captions on because I've never <laughs> yes. paid attention to it before. It's just kind of like garbled bickering. Yes. Maxime is, Madame Maxime is screaming that she protests and Karkaroff calls her a little French tart. Was that him or Moody? It was Karkaroff. Okay. Okay. And he's almost defending Harry, honestly, saying that everything with her referring to Madame Maxine, everything with you is a conspiracy theory. Yes, you French tart. And then Dumbledore says, quiet, I can't think. And then- Yeah, okay, he's trying to just get them to shut up. Just shut up, everybody shut up. And like, I think they're ramping him up, who's already pissed. But then he, so she, Madame Maxine was saying, I protest, I protest. Again, for years, I have heard, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. <laughs> 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 and I was like, I Potter, I Potter. <laughs> So as I'm seeing it with the captions, I'm like, son of a bitch. Have I heard anything right in these movies? Nope, absolutely not. <laughs> Refer back not to last week. Tickle your nasty. Wow. <laughs> and Shit. It is at that point that we reach what is probably the most aggressively object objected to line yeah. delivery in all eight films. <laughs> I am speaking, of course, about Dumbledore asking Harry if he put his name in the Goblet of Fire. Let me, okay. for reference, let me read you a passage from the book, <laughs> if do. I may. And I love it because this is something you and I have discussed for years because it, ever since people started to kind of point it out, we're like, yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah. So in the book, it reads, Professor Dumbledore was now looking down at Harry, who looked right back at him, trying to discern the expression of the eyes behind the half moon spectacles. Did you put your name into the Goblet of Fire, Harry? He asked calmly. So I will, Okay. I will never tire of watching meme after viral video, after TikTok, after whatever, no. depicting the contrast between the book and the film because it's hilarious. It's the, so good. Like people have gone and run with it and taken it to a level that that it's actually not at. Right. Uh, but I and I, I love that. I love any kind of bastardization of <laughs> something that's something that's already ridiculous. Let's just make it more ridiculous. Hundred percent. I'm here for it. And it's such a pivotal line. It's almost like there's a ton of pivotal lines we could point to but like say Sirius said you know if you ever wanted to consider a different home and Harry said the fuck I don't want to live with you like if he, did, <laughs> if, he if he in the movie was like what no you'd be like that what is no completely opposite of what actually happens in this in this moment like <laughs> there's so it's just such a pivotal moment of like Dumbledore with his the, what did he always say it was like his x-ray his x-ray kind of stare yeah the, I mean I think that what I always took that as, especially in multiple rereads, is he's using occlumency. <laughs> Legilimency. Legilimens, sorry, yeah. yeah, that thing. That he he kind of gets this look on his face when he is using it. Yes. Which yeah, you're right. Looking back too, I was like, that's what he's doing. Because he could do that with 
um, Tom too at a young age. Like he could go, mm, what's really happening? Right. So you you expect that quiet, peering, piercing eyes stare thing from Dumbledore, and instead you get I just wrote abuse. <laughs> abuse. Abuse I mean, in this so- moment. Anyway, so Dumbledore comes charging down the stairs and grabs Harry by the shoulders and actually almost throat, but shoulders, pushing him up against the wall and asks, I will say asks, does not yell as the memes would lead you to believe, Mm -hmm. asks very sternly if Harry put his name in the Goblet of Fire or if he asked another student to do it for him and even says, are you sure? Are you absolutely certain? While I firmly dislike this change... I want to say that I am I am aggressive, not aggressively. I am steadfast on the side of things that it should have been asked calmly, as the literal. I guess not literal, but as what a transferred stage direction would perhaps um, suggest. Well, and this it could viewing... have been. It could have still had all that frantic energy around it of them all coming down the stairs and fighting, or whatever. And then Dumbledore is the only calm presence who goes, right. "Hey." Because that's who he is. Yes. That's who we're supposed to understand he is, not... <laughs> I still like the Lego one. <laughs> yes. The Lego one shakes and <laughs> stomps on him. Did you? Uh, the internet is a glorious and terrifying place. So I will say, though, in contradiction to myself, this was probably the first time viewing it that I saw it in a little bit of a different light. Okay. For the first time, I saw, like, fear and concern in Dumbledore's face. It has that, um, like, child ran away from home. Don't you ever do that again, look. Mm. I, I still think it's out of character for Dumbledore, who almost never gets worked up in the books. Like, I can think of maybe one, two, or three times. The one that's popping out at me is during uh, Order of the Phoenix, when they're all in after the Inquisitorial Squad finds Dumbledore's army and and... Um, Umbridge like grabs Marietta yeah. by the shoulders and he's like you will not touch my students um, that's a moment that he didn't even get worked up there really he didn't raise his voice he just you know shocked her hex <laughs> to the shit out of her but that's cool yeah that's his thing like we said he's cool he's collected he's calculating always yeah that is his thing Th- so to have such a weird he almost feels out of control in this moment which is just yes. not him which never happens. No. Absolutely doesn't happen again in the films. This this was a weird moment. I, t- I did write, okay, they did put a lot of work in these spindly objects, though. Like, they, they are going. They really... don't They don't stop the whole time. No. <laughs> the whole time? The whole time. Maybe they're supposed to... <laughs> maybe they're supposed to reflect the chaos of... I could see that. What was supposed to just be an austere moment to look at our, our three champions in the trophy room and instead things are going haywire. Yeah. So I, I, I think that there's enough attention on this. I think we can move on. I'm not going to yeah. get heated about this. Enough people have made enough jokes about it. It's, it's <laughs> a fun little rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. So the grown-ups start to argue about how this could have been possible with Moody slash Crouch Jr., Crouch Moody, Moody Crouch, Moody. Oh, that sounds like Moody Crouch. We won't yeah. go there. <laughs> All, so he, like kind of all but explains how it must have happened, which leads to a little tiff between him and Karkaroff, whatever. Eventually, they all turn to Crouch, who... Who looks terrified. He looks terrified. All of the grown-ups kind of turn to him and say, it's up to you. Crouch declares that there's nothing to be done. Harry is officially a Triwizard champion. 
There is something really interesting here that I actually recently watched a video about a YouTube video about all about like what exactly is a binding magical contract no. and likening it to the unbreakable vow because that that does come from the books too I believe as well as Crouch saying it at this moment saying you know the goblet of fire constitutes a binding magical contract and this video kind of explores what that means um, will like in likeness to the unbreakable vow will Harry literally die if he doesn't compete the uh, the creator that I'm talking about the he posited that the punishment he Harry would receive would grow as the challenges progressed. Like there would be some kind of maybe physical and mental anguish, agony at the first challenge. And then at the second challenge, it would worsen. And then the third challenge, if he didn't compete, maybe it would worsen again and die. I thought that that was a cool and an interesting idea. I wasn't able to really find a whole lot of firm evidence. There are a lot of theories out there. Uh, but check out uh, this channel since I'm referring to it. The channel is called Harry Potter Theory. Check it out on YouTube. It's got some really interesting uh, views, actually. If So the grown-ups all kind of stare in disbelief, and Harry has a very well-fuck look on his face. There is something here in the background that has bothered me for years that didn't bother me when I first watched the movies, probably because there's just so much going on. But the CGI for Madame Maxime here. Oh, really? Oh, it's rough. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I don't remember noticing it, like I said, it when I first saw it. But years later, when you're seeing it on a smaller sc screen and like maybe closer up, mm -hmm. it, it's just it really sticks out that she's not there <laughs> or not oh, actually no. there or not actually that large. It's a little cringy. Okay, Look, I got to really look at that. I, I get that they had a lot of other places that they needed the CGI's attention for. And this is a small, you know, less than two minute scene. I, I, I get it. It's fine. But woof. <laughs> that, it still sticks out to me uh, every time I watch it. I'm like, oh, girl. She's like, the lighting on her is different. She kind of has like a blur around her. It's, is it like it's... when we've had video game Harry in the past? Not quite. Not quite so artificial. It really does just look like they took an image and like blew it up. So it almost... This isn't the right word for it, but it almost looks pixelated. Okay. Like a cardboard cutout, but in the digital. Scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. I'll definitely put a screenshot of that up. I love it. We cut to another rainy scene outside the castle because it's always raining now. That's Just a very wet, the wet year so far. Message of this book. It's always raining. Of this film, excuse me. And we focus in on Dumbledore's office, those three like towers stacked on top of each other. Inside of there, Dumbledore, McGonagall, Moody, and Snape are all discussing Harry's situation while Dumbledore stares into his pensieve. This is our first peep at it, actually, at the pensieve. And mm -hmm. I admit it's nothing like what I imagined. Mm, I didn't hate it. I don't hate it. I actually don't hate it until he, like, takes it out of the little stone cupboard that it's in. And it like flies over to his desk, and it's like a silver disc UFO like a saucer. looking thing. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I <laughs> don't, I, I really don't like it. that. I could have left this... it as like a roughly hewn, almost the same as the goblet, like that roughly hewn kind of stone. Right, which is what it should be. It's supposed to be stone. It's supposed to have runes carved into it. It's a basin. It's not a disc. Yeah. So this being the first look at it, I'm like, okay, it's like built into the wall. Like that, that's fine. That's sure. fine. I like the mirrors, like, symbolizing looking at things from different angles and, and mm. seeing things again. 
that's clever. I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I'm not going to complain about it. Not everything that I thought it would be, but I feel like it's the least of our concerns at the moment. Yeah. McGonagall is insistent that they pull Harry from the competition, but good old Snape, we love a Snape moment. He suggests that they should let things play out and try and figure out what's like, who's behind it all. What's actually at play here. How did this happen? Let them unfold. It's weird because he looks anxious. Like almost he's, I don't know if it's he's nervous about the prospect of letting them unfold or if he's nervous that uh, McGonagall's going to be pissed when he's suggest- suggesting it. Right, that he's like, contradicting her. I can't decide which one he's anxious about because he does look anxious in this moment. But I Yeah, I think they all do. True. Very true. Dumbledore agrees with Snape and then asks Moody to watch over Harry before pulling a memory from his temple and dropping it into the pensive. We don't actually know what's happening. Uh, you know, if you're a squib and you haven't read the books, this is kind of just a very weird moment. Like, why is Dumbledore pulling something out of his head? But if you read the books, you know what's going on. Before the scene changes, we see that it's actually a memory of the slip of paper with Harry's name on it floating down from the goblet. (laughs) Then we cut to the Gryffindor common room, where Harry is looking kind of dazed while the rain beats against the window outside. Ron kind of pushes past him. They are. I'm so sorry. I have that written wrong here. You're okay. you're right. It is the it is the fourth year dorm. Because I thought it was weird because they all have towels. Like they all just took a shower. Yeah. Which made me go, uh, "What is the shower situation?" <laughs> Gryffindor at Hogwarts. Yeah, we we don't, we don't really ever talk about that, do we? Other than I'm kind of okay with not. <laughs> I mean, we talk about the prefix bathroom having a large tub. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we don't really talk about. It's like all the boys hygiene. are hanging up a towel. I'm like, yeah, they are. Yep. So Harry's looking a little bit dazed and Ron moves forward to put his towel over a little bar around the wood stove in the center of the room. I did get some very serious farm life flashbacks mm. because this was a real thing in my childhood in in the manor on, on my mom's family's farm um, until probably my teens. Maybe I was a little younger than that. There was a whole section of the house that was only heated by wood stove. And so there were like maybe two bedrooms upstairs in that section that if you were going to stay in the winter, you did not stay in those bedrooms because they were freezing cold. It's rural Wisconsin. It's, you Mm. know, low teens, if not single digit temperatures most nights. And so we would sleep in the, in the, you know, larger room downstairs where the wood stove was actually located. So I don't know. Maybe they were going for an old timey feel here, but for me, it doesn't feel that old. Maybe I'm just fucking old. I don't know. Honestly, never mind. Don't answer that. Anyway, uh, Ron can't hold it in anymore, and he confronts Harry about how he did it. They get into a little tiff with Ron not believing Harry that he didn't enter himself. The other Gryffindors are very like, "Mommy and Daddy are fighting, and we're not going to get involved in this." Yeah. There's almost a moment of like, let's have this conversation in private as Ron <laughs> yeah. moves over to his bed and moves over to his bed and Harry kind of follows him. Yeah. And they continue their little argument. It's really one of, I think, only two moments in the series where Ron is not on Harry's side. I'm thinking of this and then I'm thinking of um, Deathly Hollows where he leaves. Yeah. But uh, it's very sad to watch. It hurt my heart. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, I, I don't. Think, 
I gotta say, I think this this is a really high point for Rupert. We get to see some personality from him, and that's yes. and we get to see that he's hurt and angry that his friend would exclude him out of this big thing that he did. And we don't really usually get to see Ron emote. He's right. just kind of there to make a joke and like eat a lot of food. And be exposition. Yeah. And ask questions. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I had a hard time too. I'm like, Harry's not doing a great job either. Like if you sincerely didn't do something and you sincerely don't want your friend to be upset, you'd be a little bit more earnest. And he is earnest, but he's not like using the right words. He's like, it just happened. I'm like, okay, expand on that. <laughs> he jumps to, and I think I would have as well at 14, but he does jump to his own defense really quickly instead of being like, Ron, you, I was with you the whole day. When do you think I had time to do this? Like we, mm -hmm. we never leave each other's side. We sleep in the same room. We eat in the same place. We take yeah. all of the same classes. When do you think I snuck away and did this? I think there's something in the book where Ron says something like, I don't know, maybe you waited until I went to sleep and then took your invisibility cloak or used your invisibility cloak. And Harry's like, an invisibility cloak wouldn't fool an age line. Mm -hmm. And then that leads to a bigger argument of, well, I guess you've thought about it, haven't you? Yeah. It was a more it's... involved fight, I think, in the book, too. Oh, definitely. This dialogue and... just felt so short. I'm like, oh, and that was it? Yeah, no wonder he's pissed. <laughs> like... Well, and it lasts way longer in the book, too, because of how quickly we're clipping along here in the film. Very true. Next, we get kind of an old-school camera flash. From behind it, Rita Skeeter emerges, and she launches into a monologue about the champions. So this is our first look at a pivotal character in the books who is kind of a throwaway character in the films. Very much like so. She's really just a reporter in the films. In this one film, then we never see her again. Yeah. Well, I mean, we see her in Deathly Hollows. We don't actually see her. We see her, her work, I guess. Right. You're, I right. Just, You're right. You're right. I did write, too. I'm like, why does this look like the most awkward family photo? The way they have the kids staged. It is. It 100% <laughs> is. Weird. Like, Crumb is the dad. And this is his family. He's like kind this of standing a... away from them a little bit. Like he's the patriarch. It's weird. It it does feel very awkward and forced, which I think it should have been. True. Because there's not only animosity between the schools, but of course, Flora and Crum are pissed off like the rest of the students from their school. But like fun fact about the Triwizard Tournament is that Durmstrang never won it. Oh, in the centuries that it lasted, I think it went on for 700 years, something like that. Durmstrang never won. <laughs> oh, wow. I think it's something like uh, before the 1994 tournament, Bobaton and Hogwarts were tied at 62 wins each, and Durmstrang had never won. So, yeah, I guess if I was from Durmstrang and it was like, yeah, we're finally going to get that win. We've got Victor Crumb. And then they're like, wait, but Hogwarts has two champions. <laughs> <laughs> so this is fucked. They are back in the trophy room where they were right after the champion selection. And Rita kind of has her way with each of them, like slapping Flora on the cheek and tossing yeah. Cedric's hair. Mm. But the only one she doesn't touch like borderline assault is crumb maybe there's a reason for that um she asks who's feeling up to sharing and of course she picks harry and she pulls him into a closet for a private little chat it literally is beneath the staircase which i think is a cute little throwback that's not in the book no but as well 
Right, as well as the line that Rita throws in that's like, oh, well, you should be right at home then. Yeah. That's clever. I like that. They sit down and she begins interviewing him. <laughs> I guess <laughs> you could say interviewing with very pointed questions about entering the tournament, concerned that he's unqualified, and finally about his parents while her little quick quotes quill is taking notes frenetically next to her. I did like the detail of the quill at one point getting defensive when Harry's trying to look at the notes. And like pulling the pad away. Looking back, I was like, okay, that's kind of fun. I like when they make the the things or the objects or the non-speaking characters kind of have an attitude. Yes, have a character. Like, and it very much does. There's one moment that it like picks up off the page and it's pointed at him, but it really comes off as it looking up at him for how he's going to (laughs) respond. That's clever. I'm glad that they included that because it is, she's never seen without it. In the and it, they did keep the color right, that it was an acid green. Yes, love well, that. I was happy. Harry makes multiple attempts to like jump in and correct her. She refers to him as being 12 multiple times. She ignores most of what he says and just keeps you know, writing the interview as she wants it to be written because she knows it'll sell better. Mm-hmm. You can see Harry get ir- like start to get irritated, especially after the multiple you know just plowing through and not actually paying attention to what he's saying Uh, and he objects to what the quill has written about him with his eyes gleaning glistening with the ghosts of his past or something to that effect yeah i think that they did a great job making her as gross as she's written in the books like she is a a crooked journalist she nails this very much that person Mm -hmm. um i i think she's definitely prettier than i imagined her to be She's not as outwardly evil looking as like I'm right, right. But that's where we're gonna leave it today. That's all. Yeah, we're in the we're in a broom cupboard with Rita Skeeter. I just like her kind of simpering look at him. Of, oh, of course, mm-hmm. of course not. <laughs> like, she's very patronizing. I think she's. I think she nails this. I like her. I like her. It's it's sad that she doesn't become like the actual bigger part of this plot again. Oh, her plot line is glorious. And not a part of this. <laughs> like, right. Like, like, I mean, like it's Ludo. all about Hermione's triumph in the end of, yeah, uh, of, you know, getting her for telling her off. I actually think that's in the next chunk. Well, it should be in the next chunk, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Right, 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 right. So I have a couple of questions for you. Okay. So what would you bind in magical contract and keep from this <laughs> section? Keep. I want to go with. I was going to say Rita because I really do like the way that she nails this, but I actually, I do kind of like now that we talked about it, the pensive effect that it was the same as I had kind of imagined when he's pulling the thread of thought out of his head and adding it. I, I liked how it was done. I would have been sad if it was just like invisible or something like, you right. don't actually, if they had like skipped over that detail of like, this is what it looks like with the fact that they kind of stayed true to it, despite the pensive itself, not being what we thought I liked. I liked the process. Yeah. I liked you know, it's often described as neither liquid nor gas. I thought that they did a nice job with that effect. I thought that the strand coming from his head was maybe a little bit thick because it is described in the book as, you know, looking like he's pulling a, th- uh, a strand of hair mm. from his head. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, that's being ridiculously picky. No, I, I agree with you. I like the effect. Siphoning. What would you, what would you bind into a magical contract? <laughs> I got to say Rupert's performance like a yes. real highlight uh, of his from the films. Yeah. I thought he was 
really great as a snubbed teenager, especially like showing all of that resentment of always being overlooked, always being overshadowed by five older brothers, mm. four older brothers, five older brothers. There are seven Two, Weasley three, children. Four, five. Good yeah, Lord. five. Yeah, yeah five older brothers and always having it hand me down, always being second guess. He has a line in here of being, you know, yeah, that's me, Harry Potter's stupid friend. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, I think he did a really, really nice job. And I think it's a moment that we get from him that we don't get very often in the books or in the Agreed. films, excuse me. Agreed. Yeah. He's kind of coming into some range. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, what would you ignore, like a very direct stage direction, e.g. calmly? <laughs> um, on that note, yeah, I don't like violent Dumbledore. That's just not <laughs> <laughs> like even down to like I said when he slapped, um, clapped Cedric on the back of his back as he was like walking down. Like he wouldn't just like last movie, he wouldn't have slapped Ron's leg. <laughs> he would yeah. not have clapped Cedric on the back that hard. I was like, dang, like abusive Dumbledore is not it for me. This so. is all it, it's all kind of encapsulated by Michael Gambon's interpretation of the character. I think True. that. You know, Richard Harris just was Dumbledore and just that like quiet, gentle. And I get that in three, four, five, especially we need like a badass Dumbledore, but I need him to be able to turn that off too and just be like, Dumby, Grandpa Dumby. <laughs> what I have envisioned. Yeah. Yeah. What would you uh, ignore like calmly? So I'm going to go just a, a few moments before that, and I'm going to say Dumbledore screaming at Harry in the Great Hall. I guess it's all the same thing, but when he oh, catches the note and, and he's like, Harry Potter. He's like in disbelief in the book, I believe, right? Yeah, and it, well, yes, but he doesn't scream his name. Like, <laughs> he, just, he, he kind of, <laughs> I actually think that it's punctuated. I don't have my book setting next to me. Um, I think that it's punctuated. It's right at the end of a chapter called the Goblet of Fire, and then the next chapter is called The Four Champions, and he catches it, and he looks down at it, and I think it's punctuated with a question mark. I think he might even say Harry Potter. Okay. Instead yeah. of, Harry Potter! Let's <laughs> freak out, yeah. It's very aggro Dumbledore. Just, it's not Yeah, yeah, not just for me. in general. No thanks. Okay, so next I have our newest and most beloved segment. This one won't make you cringe, I don't think. Let's get to be seen. <laughs> okay, what is it this week? So our probably unanswerable question is how does the Goblet of Fire select champions? Damn it. <laughs> you know, I don't like these. I've never thought about this. Just like I didn't think about <laughs> freaking Crouch point. being imperious. Damn it all to hell. Um... I mean, right. Like, what does it know besides an age by the person that, who it entered it? doesn't know the age because they have to put an age line around it. So it doesn't know the student's age. <gasps> right. Oh, damn it. Is it like, a, okay, you know what? No, I'm going to keep it simple. It's a fucking um, uh, bingo, bingo ball. Bingo. bingo. <laughs> it's really just, it just a lottery. Just, yeah, just rotates it around and goes poof and spits it out. It doesn't so, know. <laughs> okay what's the real answer well there's not really an answer um oh. the wording around it is really vague it comes off as you know chooses a worthy champion hmm. and so there is a very it, in my opinion it's always been like an, an excalibur kind of moment mm. 
you know, everybody's kind of putting their name and 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 it as a sentient being. <laughs> Maybe it burns is able up to the... determine who is worthy. Right. Maybe it burns up the ones, the par- pieces of parchment that are not worthy. <laughs> right. The ones if you're that not worthy, the flame. it's just, yeah, there you go. I love that. The other, you know, the other thing that's out there a lot is that it's just a lottery. <laughs> oh, really? So I'm not wrong with my bingo bingo theory? Yeah, I don't think you're wrong at all. Sure. So, but yeah, it's it's very interesting to think about because how does, how would it know? Yeah. I know. I get it. I get it. It's magic. There is a lot that's written about it that's saying, you know, not even Dumbledore actually knows how that works because this is lost to the ages, the creation of this magical artifact. It's centuries old. Okay. 800 years old, 900 years old when it's being used here in the 1994 competition. And so its creation, even its creator are unknown. Right. So I guess it can really be anything. It can be bingo. It can be Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Interesting. Okay. I'm not mad at that segment. That one was okay. That one. There you go. Deep. See, no cringing. No, no cringing. <laughs> no house elf rape. So. Okay. Well, <laughs> we didn't not... say rape. I think we said breeding, but it's we, fine. <laughs> it was implied and I laid awake that night. <laughs> How do they get more house elf babies? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get a text one day at three in the morning. So, just in theory, are they okay? Because <laughs> <laughs> do they enjoy it? <laughs> are they happy? How long are they babies? Are they born in eggs? I have so many questions. <laughs> are there house elf contraceptions? <laughs> <laughs> I need a house elf prophylactic, please. Uh, is it house elf Planned Parenthood? <laughs> uh, gross. We're no. gross. Okay. Well. <laughs> This was fun though. I liked this. This was good. This was yeah. Good we have four champions. It was a very dark chunk. Yeah. Like lighting wise. Yeah, I was gonna say both in lighting and in subject matter. Yes. <laughs> All right. I think next week will be a little, little brighter. I hope. I think we get some cloudy skies instead of just you know torrential downpour. But hey. True. true. Oh, and we get a live ferret. Oh, don't tease too much now. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm excited. Okay. I'm excited to get there. Okay. But we'll get there next week. Uh, in the meantime, come find us on us on our stuff. Uh, Instagram. All the TikTok, places. YouTube. Uh, we have a link tree. We're on everything. We're on Spotify. <laughs> yes. Music. All of those are Stitcher. HP Movie Apple Podcasts. Minutes. Yes. Don't spell out Harry Potter. It's HP Movie Minutes. Yeah. It's a long enough title as it is. Anyway. Okay. But <laughs> I love you. I will see you next week for more Chit Chatty Time. Love you, bye now. Okay, love you, bye. What does she do the rest of the year? Just a side conversation between you and I. You know what's kind of funny? Madam Hooch. Maybe she has a side business where she makes Hooch. And that's oh like not, not really her last name. And then remember we talked about the first season, how maybe Hagrid's down or second season, whatever, but maybe Hagrid's down in Nocturne Alley buying the hard shit and Hooch is the one that's actually selling it to <laughs> maybe they're in cahoots together and that's their side hustle. They t- Wow. I this went is a whole, whole <laughs> new Harry Potter theory that you've never heard before, ladies and gentlemen. You heard huh. it here first on HP huh. Movie Minutes. Huh. You're welcome. <laughs> Madam Hooch is actually um, a distiller and I mean, she, she makes was- the best hooch in all of Scotland.